Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. Today on the State of Ukraine, an analysis of the counteroffensive's progress. I'm Greg Dixon. Slower than desired. That's how Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has characterized the progress of his military's counteroffensive. Ukrainian forces have reportedly made some gains against the Russian military, but there has yet to be a major breakthrough. For analysis of Ukraine's operation, NPR's Miles Parks spoke to Mark Kansian, a retired Marine colonel and senior advisor to the Center for Strategic and International Studies. The Ukrainians are attacking in three separate locations along the frontier, and the results are a bit disappointing, as President Zelensky had indicated, in part because expectations had been very high, but in part after two weeks, the hope had been that they would be able to get through the Russian defensive lines, which are very powerful, uh, and be able to use this armor that they have been receiving and that they have trained, get into the open fields beyond and make a significant uh, gain of territory. What is making it so difficult to break through this Russian line? There are two reasons. The first is that the Russians have had several months to dig in and they've built very formidable defenses. They have uh, three defensive lines. They have anti-tank ditches. They have anti-tank obstacles. And that's difficult for any military to break through. The other thing is that the Ukrainians are not terribly well trained. Uh, They've expanded their forces greatly. The United States and NATO have trained some of these units, but uh, not very many. What they're trying to do is very complicated. The military calls it combined arms. That is, you have to get all of the different combat arms working together. The infantry has to work with the artillery and the tanks and the engineers. And that takes a lot of training. It's very difficult, and the Ukrainians are struggling with that. So, Colonel Kansian, you have spent your career in the Marines. I'm wondering, for people who are having trouble kind of imagining what this fighting is like, can you just kind of lay out um, what this looks like on on a practical level? Unfortunately, it looks a lot like World War I. There are opposing trench lines. There's a lot of artillery uh, to capture terrain. The Ukrainians have to leave their trenches and... Uh, capture their uh, opposite trenches. To do that, they will be using artillery to suppress um, the Russians so that the Russians can't shoot back. They'll be using engineers to cross the various obstacles, and they'll be using uh, long-range fires to try to keep the Russians from reinforcing the threatened area so they can get through before the Russians uh, can respond. I know there was some sense among American officials that Ukrainian fighters would be as this war kind of dragged on, would be more committed to the fight than some fighters on the Russian side. How has it looked for the Russians defending against this counteroffensive? Well, so far, the Russians have done pretty well. The the hopes that they might shatter uh, don't uh, appear to have come to fruition. The Russians, of course, have many problems with morale and logistics and administration, but they seem to be hanging in there and continuing the fight. The Russians are very tenacious uh, in war. They are willing to uh, continue fighting in conditions that many other countries 
uh, would find unacceptable, and we may be seeing that. Is part of this a weaponry issue? Because I know President Zelensky has long been asking for F-16 fighter planes. Would that make a big difference here? Unfortunately, it would not. F-16s would be useful. First, you have to keep in mind that it will be many months before they would actually show up. But their primary value would be in air defense, because the Russians have been using their long-range missiles to attack uh, Ukrainian cities, particularly Kyiv. F-16s would be very helpful in protecting cities, especially now that many of the air defense systems that the Ukrainians have are running short of missiles. They could be used for offensive purposes, but the area over the battle zone is very dangerous for aircraft. The Russians aren't using their aircraft there. Uh, The Ukrainians haven't been uh, using theirs very much there. The ground-based air defenses are very powerful. So F-16s, if they got there, would be most valuable in protecting cities, not for helping an offensive. What are the stakes here for this counteroffensive? The stakes are high because so much is expected of the Ukrainians having received all this training and all of this equipment. Many commentators had speculated that the Ukrainians might uh, recapture all of their uh, lost territory. Uh, There are many questions about Crimea, whether the Ukrainians could capture Crimea. In recent weeks, both the Ukrainians and the U.S. have been trying to tamp down expectations because that's just asking an awful lot. The Ukrainians do need to show some progress. The risk is that if they don't, then their supporters in the West and their own people will get discouraged. This will look like a forever war and advocates for immediate negotiations and the ceasefire will get stronger. That's Colonel Mark Kansian of the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Thanks so much, Mark. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for listening to The State of Ukraine from NPR News. Please come back for more on the war and its impacts around the world. Support for NPR and the following message come from Scholastic with Hummingbird by Natalie Lloyd. Now in paperback, Hummingbird is a funny, magical tale about Olive, a girl with brittle bone disease who refuses to let her disability stand in the way of adventure. Pro-Palestinian protests have popped up on college campuses across the country. But from the eyes of students, what are we missing? From the outside, these protests are painted as really violent when that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm Brittany Luce, host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, and I'm inviting you to hear from student journalists who see what the rest of us cannot. On It's Been a Minute from NPR. These days, news comes at you fast. But the truth... Getting there takes time. There's something that hasn't been disclosed yet. Embedded is a podcast that takes the time to look beyond the headlines. How how did this happen? How did we get here? With original documentary storytelling. Listen to NPR's Embedded wherever you get your podcasts.